Hello and welcome to the Life is Story podcast. I'm Josh Olds, and today I'm talking with Daryl Strawberry. Uh, Daryl's a four-time World Series winner, eight-time All-Star, and author of Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. Daryl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. Good to be with you. Now, just to start, we're, we're more of a books and Jesus kind of podcast than a baseball podcast. So for those who don't know your story, can you give us an overview of your baseball career and how you got to where you are now? No question. Uh, you know, my baseball career, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in a dysfunctional home. My, my dad was a raging alcoholic. and He came home crazy every night and came home for the last time, pulled a shotgun out one night. I was about 14, so he was going to kill the whole family. Um, me and my brothers went into action. Had it not been for my mother uh, stopping us and putting us out of the house, we would have killed him that night. So uh, the brokenness was real in my life before I ever put a uniform on. You know, my pain led me to my greatness. My greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior because we can look well on the outside, but if you're not well on the inside, everything is going to fall apart anyway. So uh, that's the beginning of my life and how I got into baseball because I was in so such great pain from the rejection of, of my father and that said I would never uh, come out to be anything and I just felt so so heartbroken as a kid so I decided I get into baseball and sports and play sports and that was my outlet and you know it allowed me to excel well you know in basketball and football and baseball and all all in high school and I made a choice that I wanted to play baseball, and that led me to becoming the number one draft pick in 1980 out of high school, uh, first pick in the draft and by the New York Mets. And then two and a half years later, I would end up in the big leagues at the age of 21. So it was a it was a quick pace of my life, you know, after uh, going through so much, so many uh, hard situations growing up as a kid and, and hating my father and just really wanted to kill him. And, and loving my mom, she raised five of us by herself, and I, I go on to be this great, uh, successful baseball player. But I experienced all these, all these things early in my career. I got introduced, you know, to drugs, you know, on my first road trip at the age of 21 in the big leagues. Uh, a player, a veteran player, sent me to the back of the plane and said, "Welcome to the big leagues, kids." And got introduced to cocaine, and, and I was drinking and early at an early age. So, I mean, I was doing all these things that just being lost and putting on a uniform. So I think most people say, cause you put on the uniform, you, you accumulate fame and fortune. You should be okay. That's not the case. That's why you see so many Hollywood stars that can't stay together, can't stay married. They have everything, but they have nothing. And I was no different. The same, like a lot of athletes have everything, but have nothing. And I go on to live this crazy life and achieve all these wonderful things as, as a sports figure, uh, tr- trophies, championships, uh, millions of dollars living behind community gates, privilege, having everything, but still broken on the inside. And, and, and then I fall off the cliff at the end of my end of my career and everything when it was over and nearly lost my life, cancer twice, um, lost in the second, uh, lost in my second surgery, I lost my left kidney. So the miracle of who Jesus is still stand because as I sit here today, I'm the miracle of what Jesus will do in a life. And when he reaches a life, when he touches a life, and when he transform a life, it's it's over. It's a whole new ball game, and and, and that's why we're sitting here today. That's why I, I am who I am, and I didn't want to write another book, but I, I I wrote this book, you know, to help others because I remember God said it's never about you. Uh, it's always about what I want to do through you to be able to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting that you said sports was your outlet growing up, and it's like that 
that good thing kept you out of a bad thing, but it also led you into other areas of temptation and struggle. What do you think is the role of sports uh, for those who are growing up today? What are what, what's the good of sports and what's the bad of sports in sort of developing and forming an individual as they grow into adulthood? Well, the good of sports is is really to get you from sitting around being in the house as a kid, and it's a great outlet, and you know, coming together and and building chemistry with other guys and stuff like that to go out and and play at a high level and win. I think that's the good in sports. That will always be the good. Uh, but the bad and the reality of the temptations are really there. You know, the lifestyle, the women, the drugs, the drinking, the partying, uh, it, it's there. It keeps you it keeps you on the move um, because when you play at the highest level, nobody can ever tell you anything because they've paid you a lot of money just to perform, but they can't tell you how to live. And I think that's where you see the troubles of so many young athletes always find themselves in, you know, heading down the wrong road because of the the real temptations are outside of the arenas, outside of the baseball fields, you know, outside of the stadium, football stadium. They the troubles are on the outside waiting for you. They lure you in because you um, live so much in your flesh and you live because of your name and you know who you are and everything, and you don't really have the right identity. I think those are the real pitfalls of it. I think you see a lot of extremes in the lives of celebrities and entertainers or sports figures in that they have the best of everything, but they also have access to the worst of everything. And you see them, you know, they're, they're putting forward that professional face, hopefully, usually that professional face uh, on the field or, you know, in their, in their public facing life and in their private facing life. It's, completely different it's something that's not not even close to the same why does success bring that temptation with it well i think the success bring the temptation with it because of the emptiness that's on the inside mm -hmm. i think you're always searching for more you're always searching for more because we're good at what we do as far as performing and being on the spotlight but you know after you take me off of that you know and you have to go home and live a normal life who are you <laughs> and so many don't really know. We just know that we just know that we're achieving things and we want more. And I think that's the drowning part of it, of wanting more. It's never enough. I don't care how much success you have. You always want more. You know, you always have that feeling, okay, I, I was a winner this year. I need to go back next year. I got to play better. You know, it's always that drive. And, and then all, you know, then the, the lifestyle of home, uh, it just never, it never brings the satisfaction when you're living in the flesh because see the flesh is always going to want more of this and more of that. And the only thing that could change the satisfaction, that empty void that's on the inside of all of us, every last one of King Solomon talks about it in the book of Ecclesiastes. He talks about uh, it, it's all the stuff is meaningless under the sun without God. And the only thing that's going to satisfy us on the inside is that empty place that's inside of all of us that God created for every person is him himself coming inside your life. Mm -hmm. It's it's like there's this lack of identity that you have this public identity of this is who the public thinks I am, but I know that's not me. I have no clue who I am. Did you did you feel like that when you were going throughout your career? No question. I mean, I, I just knew I was a baseball player. See what put it on the stand. Put a uniform on. Don't make you a man. 
You know, I don't care what sport you play. It does not make you a man. It just makes you a basketball, football, baseball player, you know, and that's where the identity uh, becomes wrong because that's all you, that's all you can live for is what you achieve, you know, and I didn't become a man until I met Jesus because that's when I learned real principles. That's when I learned how to live according to the uh, biblical principles of, uh, of, of separating myself from worldly things, because as long as you're still a, a man, just a, uh, wearing a uniform and you're still out there, you're still lost. It doesn't matter what you achieve. You know, you, if, if you haven't, if you haven't come to the place where you live by real principles, biblical principles, and you have a, a, a foundation of God's will in your life, that's when you, that's when you live according to what the reason of being created. See, there's a big difference, you know, for us to understand why I'm here and why was I created? You don't understand that a lot. You know, when you, when you're rolling around and you, you're playing sports or you're in the movies or whatever you're doing. And you don't realize that until you actually have an encounter with Christ himself. And then you realize that Christ is greater than me or anybody else or anything that you could be looking for in life. What, what was that point for you? Uh, talk, just talk to me about coming to faith and what that looked like in your instance. Well, it's, it's for anyone, you know, to be able to understand coming to faith is a real hard decision. It's not, a easy decision made because you don't because of the unknown you don't know what you're gonna get and i think that's what happens to so many of us and i came to christ um 1991 i got radically saved at a more cirillo crusade in anaheim california power of god came over me and and i felt his presence like i never felt anything in my life and i felt you know my my belly flow like a river and everything else and um, i was immediately speaking in tongues and everything but um then I realized, I realized from that point on there, I, I never got discipled. I never went through a discipleship. And I think so many of us get saved, but we don't get discipled and we don't go through discipleship. So guess what happens? If you don't go through discipleships, you're definitely going back to the familiar because the enemy comes immediately to steal that gift that God has given to you. And if you're not aware of it and you're not getting equipped with uh, being discipled, which, which is going to understand the word of God, uh, you something occurs in your life and you go right back to your familiar place. And that's what happened to me. I went back there for a very long time after, you know, after accepting Christ and, and not going through discipleship. So I encourage people, you know, then don't just get saved, go through the discipleship process so you can know the word of God for yourself. Because if you don't know it, the enemy's coming. And like I said, immediately you still, it's still that seed from you. I mean, well, not the seed, it's still the word from you. So you won't, be able to experience the fullness of who God is. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, yeah, that, that, that time of, of discipleship, it's, a, it, it's the same word as discipline. And as, as a sports figure, you, you know, you knew a lot about discipline. How did you relate the two? Um, you know, what, what strategies did you use that you had cultivated on a baseball field that helped you disciple, uh, be discipled in your faith? Well, I, that's a good question because, you know, it took me a very long time to really understand that and realize that uh, discipleship is more like, uh, am I connected uh, in church? Am I connected to Bible studies? Am I getting my studies? Do I have my pad and my pen to take notes? Am I, you know, participating in uh, Christian things instead of worldly things? Uh, those are the way you separate yourself from, you know, the uh 
the worldly things and, and, and the Christian things, you know, about being disciple because now I'm around a new group of people and, you know, I, I start to talk a different way. I start to act a different way. And disciple, discipleship is, it, it comes in so many, so, so many ways, but it's basic, you know, to change because it comes in a way where it changes everything about you when you stay connected with the groups, when you stay connected with, um, uh, really what's important when you no longer go back to the old places, people, places, and things, you have, have changed your ways from that. And yeah, you're going to lose a lot of people that say they were your friends. I lost a lot of people when I started walking with God. They, they were all, they all started to scatter. And I started to realize and see that it was really real because I was really not going back and I was changing. And they were on the other side looking at, looking, looking on the outside and looking at me as I was making my change and transform transformation that God was bringing about because I stayed. And I think that's important when you are going through discipleship is don't quit. Don't give up. Stay. Stay connected. Uh, and, and you got to, you got to still be some really lonely times. I had to go in lonely places. I had to go in dark rooms in my home and, 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 and saturate myself in the word of God and, and pray and, and, and listen and hear, hear. Hello? Your audio is cut out on me. Um. Hello? Oh, well. Okay, your audio cut out for about maybe 30 seconds. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. That's fine. So let's see, where were we at? <laughs> We were going on about discipleship. Ah, uh, yes. What yeah. did that look like? All right, yeah. so I'll, I'll just start out again with a question, and then I'll figure out the editing later. Uh, so yes, yeah, okay. so um, the, the idea of discipleship—it's it, so related to the discipline that that you have to have, you know, on the baseball field as a professional athlete. You cultivate all that that discipline to be the very best at your sport. How did you use that to? Um, to disciple and be, to be discipled in your faith. Well, you take it the same way you do in, in sports. When you work out, you train yourself, you be disciplined. Um, you get up and you go work out and train by yourself. You work hard. And it's the same way uh, with the Bible. You got to, you got to get up, you got to work, you got to eat, you got to saturate yourself in the word. You got to allow the Holy spirit to speak to you and you got to listen. Uh, it's, 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 it's just a very disciplined way that you have to do things, you know, and it's the same way when I was playing sports. I had, if I wanted to be great at playing sports, I had to be, have a lot of discipline to go train myself and work out. I had to run the bases by myself. I had to walk through the parks by myself, the baseball field and talk to myself. And it's the same way at home. I get up and worship God by myself and I walk around the house, you know, I, I memorize scriptures and so I could uh, grow and, and understand who God is. And, and so I could be able to fulfill the promises that God called over my life because the promises are so rich for all of us. I think, I think enough, so many of us don't do enough of, in the area of, of spending quality time with God to be able to get to where we need to get. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, that's the beginning of it. There are so many people who just want to add Jesus to their identity rather than making him the center of their identity. It's like, okay, I have Jesus now. Uh, I'm going to keep doing, keep being who I am, but I'm going to kind of put Jesus around it and I think what you're saying is we got to put Jesus right in the middle of it. You know, we have to we have to redefine our identity and who we are as being 
in him first. And then we can still be all those other things sometimes. If those other things aren't inherently sinful, we can still be able to other things. We can still be you know, a baseball player. But it comes in that context of Christ first. Yeah, well, it, it definitely has to be Christ first. You know, he has to be the... He has to be Lord over your life. You know, he has to be the one that rule and reign over your life. And when you allow Christ to rule and reign over your life, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It, it keeps you on the course of growing. Uh, it keeps you on. It keeps you in purpose and the creation of yourself. Um, not your not your talent. What you do. I'm saying what our talent that we have to do to play sports or whatever we have. You still can do that. But I'm saying when you come to the place that Jesus is Lord over your life, then you live your life out in front of everybody like Jesus is Lord. You don't, you don't, you don't put Jesus to the side just because, oh, the team is, the, the team is going here and they have a party and a bunch of girls and guys are going to be here and they're going to be drinking. If you are a Christian and you live that way, you don't go that way. I mean, I didn't have that. I saw players that do that. I saw Gary Carter do that. I saw Mookie Wilson do that. They were living for Christ in the midst of their careers. They never wavered. They never went to the uh, different uh, different parties or events, you know, that other players are going to. They they show up to dinner with us, and then after dinner, they say, I'll see you at the ballpark tomorrow. While the rest of us are on our way out somewhere else to get lost, they were, they were more stable in their, their faith and who they were and wasn't concerned about the outside of their life like that. Talk to me about the importance of having figures like that in your life. Not, maybe not even necessarily people that you're actively looking to at the time, but you know you can look back in retrospect and say, "Hey, I had it wrong. Those people had it right." Uh, what is the importance of having mentors like that, even if it's just mentors by their example, and they don't even know they're being mentors to you at the time, and you don't even know they're being mentors to you at the time? You don't, uh, but they're the greater. That's the greatest example you want to see, you know, especially in the lifestyle, uh, what I was doing playing professional sports, because, you know, mostly everybody is lost in that, you know, their identity is lost in everything that they're doing and seeing, yeah, we play at the highest level, but at the same time, do we live like that uh, off the field? And, and you don't see a lot of that uh, when you're playing professional sports. You see, you know, guys doing what they do and and you see certain guys uh not many, like two guys maybe living a different way. And you go, wow, that's very attractive to see that, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what we really all want. But how do you get there? You know, they don't preach to you. They just actually live it because they don't just know Jesus by name. They know Jesus by his display, his power, what he's done for them. And you won't know Jesus, you know, like you say, a lot of people just, you know, use the name, but they deny the power. And then the power is what transformed you and changed you you know, and bring you to a greater place and a greater understanding. So when you experience that, you don't have, you have no excuses or, or, you know, no reasons to say, well, I don't know him that well. I know him well when I've experienced that his power is far greater than anything else. Mm -hmm. One of the things you write about in the book uh, is the importance of scars. And you talk about your own physical scars from your, your cancer surgeries. And I think you also have the scars you know, mental, emotional scars of of your you know, previous life, uh, but you, you don't want to forget those things. You want to you say that we want to remember them, and they can be reminders of God's grace. Uh, oftentimes, we we go through hard times. Uh, we sometimes we want to forget our past, uh, whether it was because of the dumb things we did or just because of things that happened to us. 
why is it important that we remember our past and use it to be a part of who we are in the future? Well, we can never understand grace if we don't forget, if we forget our past. You know, and I think so many of us, you know, uh, come to that place, you know, uh, of our past, and we want to forget about that. Then, well, how can I help somebody else if I don't have a story to tell them I've been through some real hard times? And I, and I think that's what we need to always remember. That's why my past is so important to me, not to be ashamed of it. If I could have done it different, yeah, but I didn't. I had done it the way I did it so that I need to learn something from that so I could be able to help somebody else to show them that they don't have to go down that road because it's a dead-end road. You know, it's just like driving down a dead-end road in the dark. You tell you, you don't go down there, dead-end trouble down there. And then hopefully, you know, uh, by people sharing their past stories of who they are, they will be able to help other people understand that, understand that, you know, the past is real and it can happen to you. It can happen to anybody. But at the same time, uh, there's some there's some real lessons to be learned out of that. You know, I, I my, my thing is, like, why are we so afraid to show our scars? And Jesus showed us his scars and wounds <laughs> at the cross and everything that he had to go through. And we're sitting here as people of the flesh. We're so afraid to show our scars and wounds. And we're afraid what somebody else has to say. Anybody that's always pointing at somebody else have problems too themselves. They don't want to look at themselves because we all have problems. The Bible didn't say some of us would fall short. It said we all would fall short. So if we understand that we all would fall short, then you can't worry about showing your wounds and your scars to somebody because they got some wounds or scars too. They just not have a, they just don't have the courage to tell you that I've had some downfalls in, in life. And um, the reality is we all will have some downfalls. Mm-hmm. I think that was the great thing about your book. You know, you're talking about you know turning your season around. See, you're talking to people who are in this place of you know maybe they feel hopeless or despair they need god to transform their life but you're not speaking to them from this position of uh here's how you should do it and i've done everything right uh, but you you really you, you lace you interlace your own story into this book and talk about the areas where you had your own failures and you had your own struggles and it really it, it puts you in a very vulnerable position because you know quite frankly uh if you hadn't you know, you, you could just not speak about this. And for a lot of people who would know your name within the context of baseball, they, they may not know or remember any of the other stuff that happened you know, years ago. And the willingness that you have to, to keep that conversation going and to use your past and to say, you know, yeah, this is who I was. This is where I am now. And I can show you the way that if you want to do the same thing, here are these principles. Uh, I, you know, I, I just think that that's absolutely great because you could have very easily just, you know, retired, followed Jesus, <laughs> lived your life, and you know, just sort of, you know, gone off into obscurity or or whatever, and and not not told this story. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think that that's the power of this book is that it is it's your story. It's not just you preaching to someone. It's, it's you saying this is what I've done. This is what I've learned from what I've done personally. No, no question, Josh. I mean, I could have went off into the sunset and just been living my life in, in a quiet place. But God called me 12 years to start preaching. And, and I started traveling like 250 times out of the year. And people started coming. And, you know, Zonovan came and, and said, you know, you would you like to write a book about, you know, who you are and everything? I said, well, I've already written an autobiography about myself. And that was a New York Times bestseller. And, 
what I, why do I need to write another book? You know, and I was just thinking and then my wife said, God called you to write this book because this book is, it's not, it's not about you. It's about you for real in your, your struggles, but it's about to help somebody else. And, and, and I realized that when I started writing this book, that it was about, it, it would be about helping people turn this season around because we've all experienced a season of, of this year, 2020. Did I know we would be in a pandemic? No. Did I know we have racial issues or retention and everything that we had in this country? No. But there are so many people that's going to be in the midst of, uh, of struggling and trying to figure out how do they get back. And this book, this book is about me. How did I get back from dark places? I've been in more dark places uh, than you can ever imagine, you know, through my process in my life here. And if God met me in that dark place to, to touch me, to transform me and turn me around, he will do the same for you too. But the difference is, is I came to the place of believing. You know, I came to the place of believing what the Bible was saying. I believe what God's word says. I, I, I believe that uh, he meets us right in the midst of our hard times. And, and I know he do because he met me in my hard times. When I started this journey uh, with my wife, Tracy, over 21 years ago, I was $3 million in debt and didn't have a driver's license. And God restored everything for us and, and because we were willing to follow his principles and follow his words. Not that I was looking for anything, but he restored me to wholeness and righteousness. And at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. It's about God restoring you to wholeness and righteousness of who he created you to be. And I think so many of us miss it because we try to get every worldly thing, every doctor, every pill, every this to try to fix us. And the only one that will be able to fix you is Jesus Christ himself that hung on the cross at Calvary and shed his blood for sinners like us that we may have life and may have it more abundantly. He went to the tomb and early Sunday morning, he got up from that tomb. And when he got up from that tomb, he got up with all power. He was resurrected. There is no one like Christ. And we need to start preaching that so people can understand that they're looking in all the wrong places. He's been in this book heaven and earth gonna pass away but not my word it's been in this book forever this bible and god will use your story he will use your mess for his message amen amen um let, let's close out because it's not it's not gonna get any better than that but let's close out and just kind of shift gears a little bit and just talk baseball um for you in your career when you think of your career moment what what moment comes to mind for you the only thing that comes a moment uh, to my mind in the moment of my career is, is winning. I, I was able to be on teams that were that were great, and I was able to be in the winning circle. Because you play, some some people play for numbers and stats, you know, to get where they want to get, reach the goals, you know, to the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. And I never played for that. I never thought about that. I just I want to play, and I want to win. I had a winning desire coming to me when I was young. And coming out of high school, and I got into the professional ranks, and I had to learn what losing was all about. And then I got to the big leagues, and we were losing my first year. Then we started winning. And then I went over to the Yankees and started winning. And I realized that winning was everything at the end of the day. How do you feel like baseball has changed since you played it? Well, I think it's changed in so many ways where you can't break up a double play, uh, instant replays, and – and you can't and you can't run the catcher over. Uh, those are like, those are like no nos. That's part of baseball: breaking up a double play, instant replay, and running over the catcher. That's the big ones, yeah. 
if you had to, someone who was a baseball player in high school, college, and they were looking toward a major league career, what advice would you want to give them? I would give them this simple advice is really be aware of your surroundings and really take care of yourself. If you want to play, have fun playing. If you have the talent and you have the notoriety, stay out of stay out of the way of the lifestyle outside of being at the ballpark because there's a lifestyle outside of being at the ballpark that brings great temptations that lead you down the wrong way. And I think a lot of players don't really understand that. Well, if you think Jesus got tempted, why you don't think we will get tempted? You know, he was tempted and, you know, the devil tempted him in Matthew 4, 4. And he said, it is, it is written, man, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. So why won't we be tempted? So we're going to be tempted too. So when you understand that, I didn't understand that had I known Christ like I know him now when I was playing, I would have realized that the temptations were real and that I was being deceived by the enemy. A lot of people look back on your career, and it was a great career, but they still say, what if? You know, what what if he hadn't had his, his drug problems? What would have been different in the career? Do you ever go back and think, what if? No, I never go back and think, what if? So I say, thank you, God. You know, thank you for you utilizing me in such a way to uh, perform like I did and, and make a lot of people happy, but also thank you for saving me because – had I not went through the troubles, I probably would have made another 50, 60, 70 million dollars playing baseball, and I probably wouldn't have never met Jesus because I would have thought I had it all together. So I would say, God, thank you. you. You gave me a career. You allowed me to play, and I had some real troubles. But my troubles, when I, when I hit, hit the ground and hit down, when I looked up, guess who was there to pick me up? It was Christ himself there to pick me up to save me and transform me and bring me to holiness and right standards with God. All right. Well, Daryl, I want to end there. I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. And again, for those of you listening, the book is Turn Your Season Around, How God Transforms Your Life. It comes out through Zondervan. It's going to be on sale in January. I think January 12th is the book's release date. And if you are a fan of baseball, uh, this is a a book for you. This is a book for you. And if you are uh, feeling... Uh, like you don't know where you're, where you need to go, and you need to turn your life around, but you don't know how to do it. This is a good, good place to start right here. So, Daryl, thank you again for your time being on the podcast. All right, Josh. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.